good evening, planet Earth. Good evening to the several tribes of the lost wastelands. Good evening to the chumptic folk that look for things that grow along the shore. Good evening to the submarine travelers traveling deep below, fighting giant squid, fending off the monsters of the deep. Good evening. It is Thursday, August the 31st, the last day of August, and it's just around 7.52 a.m. in Grinkentown, Washington at the State Park. All the Squibblies are taking their walks to see the sun go down. All the Jumbly folk are making hot dogs and hamburgers and special kinds of cookie cakes. All the pudding folk are getting themselves some ice cream. All the chocolate warriors are getting themselves some s'mores. Yes, indeed. Here we are, almost 8 p.m. on August the 31st, 2023, Bo Blimptock, here at the Grinkentown State Park from inside my luxurious tent, a tent I got for free because I dumped out a, a shed and I found a man named Ted who lived inside the wall. He said I could have it all. He said if I stayed true and bought some super glue, I could be like Ron Popeil. Yes, indeed. So I want to give you guys an update on my current situation. Um, I feel it's appropriate, given the amount of support that I've received and the amount of help I've requested, you guys have a right to know what's going on. Right now, my current course of action is to head to Pennsylvania. Before you send me, Dan, I thought you said you shouldn't go to the, and you know what? I've told you what I've told you repeatedly at the end of every fucking podcast. Food, water, shelter. And the reality is without shelter, it's kind of hard to keep a hold of or to have food or water. That's one of the things I, I learned on my fantastical journey um, from Utah to wherever the fuck I am. It's easy enough to stockpile some food. But what do you do when you lose your home? What, where does that food go if it's like three months worth? Do you put it in a backpack? Do you carry it into the woods? Do you bury it someplace? Or you, do you drop it off at a food bank? 
what do you do? The reality is I'm heading to Pennsylvania because one of my listeners, he will, be, he will remain private, offered me a place to live. And I had other offers, and this is the only one that made any logistical sense. Is it ideal? No. I think if you've been listening to my podcast for a while, you know I lived in Little Saigon, Seattle. And I saw how deep, as I've said in the past, that hole goes. When you fall off the radar, when you can't even get a driver's license because you don't have an address, when you go so far off the radar, you can't get back out again. That's what real street homelessness looks like. That's the truth. A lot of people like to paint a picture that you get down to the bottom and all you have to do is find the right friend or follow the right path or potentially do the right kinds of magical things. But for a lot of people, they get there and they never get out. Maybe most people. And before you say to yourself, well, Dan, I could be homeless and crawl back out again, understand this. It's easy enough to have that opinion, but until you've been there, you really can't know. And the reality for me is that I don't know. If I don't go to Pennsylvania, my next stop, most likely, is someplace in the streets. Okay, that's reality. That's not fantasy land. That's not living inside of some whimsical fucking universe. The reality is, is my next stop would be hard street homelessness. And am I okay with that? To the extent that anybody could be. So I'm heading to Pennsylvania because it's a life preserver. It's a dinghy. It's a boat. It's a lifeboat. It's a chance to hang on a bit longer and maybe even crawl a bit further out of the hole. But do I pretend that somehow I know it will work out? No. Do I magically know that somehow it'll be like Utah? No. Utah was pretty, was very special. And it might be an exceptional case, and it might never happen again. As I've said to many of my listeners, you know, it was about two and a half years of peace. And sure, there was turmoil at the end, but it wasn't anybody's fault. It was just life. So would it be great if where I end up in Pennsylvania is a repeat of Utah? Yeah. Would it be great if somehow I could use it as a springboard to get on my own two feet someplace where I can buy a home or rent an apartment and potentially get my credit score perfected? I'm just going to tell you right now. I plan about three months ahead. I, I think you can plan further if you want to. There is a school of thought that says you should, but I plan about three months ahead. Right now, I have no fucking clue what the world's going to look like in 2024. Do I think that it's the end of the world? Nope. Do I think that happy, happy times are ahead? Nope. Both statements can be true, friends. The future could be pretty freaking crazy and upside down and sideways. It could throw us all for a loop and it still wouldn't be the end of the world. So yeah, I'm heading to Pennsylvania, and I'm going to do the best I can to get there. Right now, I've raised a little bit of money for a ticket. 
If you're wondering where the money went from 10 days ago, most of it went to being here in the state park. And some of it went to the fact that I'm a human being. And, and if you listen to my podcast, that should be clear. Um, right now, I need to raise about 500 bucks. I've raised a portion of it. If you're listening to this podcast and you want to help me out to raise the rest, I'd really appreciate it. If you feel tapped out because you've already given me your you know, total amount you could possibly give me, I get it. I get it. I understand. Believe me, I understand. But I'm heading to Pennsylvania. I need to raise some more money, at least a couple hundred bucks more. And if someone wants to help me out with that, that would, that would be great. Then I can purchase the ticket, and then it becomes more than just a hypothetical of somehow ending up in Pennsylvania. It becomes real. But I, I can't tell you anything beyond that. Um, right now, I'm trying to be private about it because this particular listener, I don't think they're taking a risk, and I'm going to send him some references tomorrow, but... This listener is taking a stranger into his world, and that means he is taking a risk, just like I'm taking a risk. And I'll let you all in a little secret. I had a listener, a really cool dude. I won't give away his name. He lives kind of not far from where I'm going to. He told me that my statement that we're all refugees now, that it, it kind of rung true with him, that it resonated. And... I got to say, the reason why I said it wasn't just because, you know, people like me, and there are a lot of people like me, and I don't know how to put this, my friends, there's going to be a lot more pretty soon, but there are also people who are refugees in their own communities in a lot of ways, and I don't mean physically you're on the run. I mean in the sense of after 2020, a lot of us became disconnected from family, from friends, from our social networks that are not electronic but real, our social situation, and we found ourselves alone because we didn't believe the garbage, because we didn't get suckered in, because we didn't go for PPP loans in order to make money off of what was a, an abyss of human tragedy. And I don't mean the make-believe pandemic. I mean the aftermath of it. I mean the suicides. I mean the depression. I mean the drug overdoses. I mean people who chose not to treat their long-term illnesses because they just assumed not stick around, which, by the way, is also technically suicide. I mean the businesses destroyed. I mean all of the child abuse that was sanctioned by a lockdown, put a coffee filter on your face mentality. I mean all that and more. And many of us are refugees from that. I am a refugee from that, not just in the physical sense of being moving from one place to another, not having a home. That is a kind of technical definition of a refugee. But on a deeper level, we're all kind of refugees from what happened. And I don't see that changing anytime soon, friends. I mean, you can choose to obey and you can play the game and you can turn on the Fox News with a CNN and you can say I'm a Democrat or I'm a Republican and somehow magically in 2024 we're going to vote our way to undo what was really just a horrible human tragedy. You can believe that. It's not going to happen. 
Not going to happen, my friends. So that's where I'm at. As a Christian, as a believer in liberty, a.k.a. anarchist, as a human being, yeah, I'm a refugee. Guess what? If you listen to my podcast, you're probably a refugee too. Once again, I'll tell you, um, I can use some help to make up the difference to buy the ticket. I would like to be able to buy the ticket tomorrow, but since you're going to be listening to this podcast tomorrow, because I probably can't upload it from the state park right now, um, yeah, I, I would like to, I would, um, I would like some help if you can, but you know, how many can? Next topic. Here's a very dark quote from Dr. Freckles. Very dark. I'm giving you warning, a, a trigger warning. The safest space you will ever, ever find is in the grave. If you're looking for a safe space where no one will mock you, where no one uses bad words, where you have everything you need. It's six feet under. It's in a pine box. That's the safest space you're ever going to find, baby. Well, Dan, that's really dark, even for you. Well, let me explain. Um, Let me explain before you go down that road, Mr. Bogigigans. People have this idea from recent political phenomena, phenomena that include things like microaggressions and stochastic terrorism and a whole panoply of social science bullshit. But they have this idea, this concept of a safe space. Never in the history of life on planet Earth, whether you're a Christian and you see it from a biblical context or from another religion's context, or you see it from purely scientific perspectives, never in the history of human beings or life has there ever been this thing called a safe space. There's been power. There's been people who have power. There's been delusion and confusion. There's been a lot of things. But this magical space you're going to go to so that you never hear a bad word or a bad concept, it only exists when you're dead. Okay, while you're here on planet Earth, you will be offended multiple times. Probably some people almost every day. When I lived in Seattle, I heard things on the Metro bus that offended me every 30 fucking seconds. On my way to Redmond, most of it had to do with those terrible homeless people. You know, they're all drug addicts and thieves and criminals. And I said, okay. You know, sounds like the House of Representatives. You know, why don't we put them all on McNeil Island? They can live there all, you know, 30,000. 
What are they going to fish for, right? Are there any good salmon runs this year? On that bus going to Microsoft campus, when people did talk, they said the dumbest, foulest, stupidest, stupidest things from my perspective. And yet never in that process did I say to myself, well, I wish I had a magical safe space. The only thing I did is I brought headphones. That's what you do, baby. You bring headphones. If you don't want to hear the scary, crazy shit, like, I don't know what the fuck. If you can hear this on the recording, there are people on the trail laughing. Oh, ha, ha, I saw a homeless person drown in the Montlake cut. It was so ha, ha. Who the fuck knows what they're laughing about? Nobody really cares. Um... I won't miss this. And yeah, do I have a safe space for dealing with Seattle or Washingtonian bullshit? No. No force field exists. I see their looks. I see their attitude. I deal with their crap. You will be offended. You're going to hear annoying laughter sometimes that makes your ears crawl. You're going to, like, wonder to yourself if you're the only sane person left and still there's never going to be a safe space. You're going to have women say things mean about men. men. Men will say mean things about women. All the genders will mock each other. And yet I say again, for all that academic crap, you're never going to have a safe space. In fact, if you're in high school or college or grade school and you're currently using a safe space that is sanctioned by the public school, you need to stop. This is hurting you. This is holding you back. That magical safe space is not helping you because when you actually get into the world outside of that school, no one's going to give a crap. They're going to treat you exactly in most cases as they will. Sometimes they'll show respect. And if you're lucky enough to work with people that show respect, you don't have to like them, but you're probably pretty lucky. But in a lot of cases, they're going to be dumbasses. I had a software dev leader, team leader, at Alaska Airways who essentially sexually harassed me. Does anybody give a fuck? Will that ever, ever be dealt with in any legal context? No. Do I really care that much? I care enough to mention I think it's a bullshit company from my perspective. If you work there, I don't know what to tell you. I, I think it was a Horizon Air mechanic in 2018 that took the plane and did the loop-de-loop. But understand that Alaska Airways Group owns Horizon. And when, I, when that happened, I, I wasn't surprised. I wasn't surprised. It's a crap company run by shitheads. And I think that there's some weird creepiness going on, but that's all I'll say there. But do I need a safe space? No. I'll speak my mind. I'll tell you what I think. And if you need a safe space, you just turn off the fucking machine you're listening on. Turn off the phone. Go to another web page. There are many ways to solve the problem of not being offended by Dan. Lots of lots of just whole bunch of different freaking ways.
there's lots of ways to not be offended. Lots of ways to make other choices, okay? Lots of ways for us to act like adults and not simply be victims. Next topic. Well, Dan, it just seems like we should have a place we can go when people are saying things that hurt us. Well, there is. As Dr. Freckle says, there is finally a place you can go where no one's ever going to offend you again, ever. Because wherever you end up after that point, it's not going to be about being offended, my friend. talk about a concept called qualified immunity. Now I'm going to give you a simple definition and you can go find your better definition, but here is a simple definition. Qualified, that is qualified immunity, and I'm going to drink a little scrombo first. Qualified immunity is a type of legal immunity that protects a government official from lawsuits alleging that the official violated a plaintiff's rights only allowing suits where officials violated a clearly established statutory or constitutional right. Um, and, and, and I'm just going to keep it simple. This particular protection allows a lot of people to include police officers to avoid lawsuits. And of course, there are always extremes where you could end up suing a department, but you can't sue the cop. That's essentially what this means. Now, I want to talk about the bad cop scenario. We say, well, Dan, not all cops are bad. Well, we'll get to that next, shithead. I'm going to talk about the bad cop, the crooked cop, the cop that steals, the cop that kills, the cop that sometimes arrests people just to rape them. And if you don't think these kinds of cops exist, you're very confused. These types of police officers have existed throughout modern history ever since the first police departments were established. And in terms of going back in time to requisite forms of force that kings and queens used, it was just as bad. It has always been bad. But let's just talk about the bad cop for purposes of discussion. People will come back to me and say, well, Dan, the cop's job is real hard. I mean, you know, fine. The cop's job is so hard they deserve extra protection. I'm going to throw that back in your face, um, starting out from an ethical perspective. If you decide to take the oath as a police officer, in my opinion, you should be held to a higher standard. You should be held to the highest standard possible. Let's say you're a cop and you kill somebody, and you do it maybe because of recklessness, maybe because of malice, but the point is it was a kind of manslaughter or homicide. I think you should be held to a standard higher than another person who's not a cop who does it, because here's why. You have authority. You have principles of quote-unquote social contract behind you. You have a whole bunch of cops and resources you can use. In fact, a better analogy to a cop is not some average Joe. 
A better analogy is some sort of cartel operative or a member of organized crime like Cosa Nostra. That's a better comparison. Now here's the deal. If you protect an individual cop from being sued, that means they can do their crap, potentially get a slap on the wrist, and go to another department. They might get fired, sure. They'll get some little bit of money at the same time. And they just go to a different department, kind of like a crooked teacher. Almost exactly like that. Just go to another school district. Yeah, he's Chester the molester. He's a terrible craphead. But just push him off on another school district. Well, the same thing works for a lot of cops. Um, a lot of police. So here's the deal. If you have a bad cop who actually is a bad cop, I am telling you, in my opinion, the argument that they should somehow be held to a lower standard is insane. It is not based upon any type of moral principle, and it is not based upon the practical fact that none of us have access to the resources they have. We don't have police helicopters. We don't have police drones. We don't have the ability to tap somebody's phone. We don't have an evidence locker that we might be able to get into to plant evidence if we want to. There's a whole bunch of things that a cop can get away with that you will never get away with for the simple fact that they're a cop. So this idea of holding them to a lower standard is crazy. Qualified immunity is crazy. It's in fact saying that even though we want to convince ourselves that our government officials are better than average people, we treat them as if they're not. We treat them as if morally, ethically, legally, they're suspect. They're kind of greasy. We don't want them to get sued because if they do, the plaintiff would probably win in most cases. There are a lot of crooked cops out there who, if they faced a lawsuit, would do one of two things. Become less crooked, A, or B, they would leave the whole thing altogether. And so when you hear stories, well, there's a whole bunch of police leaving these police departments because qualified immunity might go away. Good. Good. Because a bad cop is way worse than no cop. A bad cop is way worse than two or three less cops. A bad cop will do so much damage to that community, to that trust, if it exists, if such a thing can be said to exist. That bad cop is acid to the social contract. That's reality. If you say, well, I'm a cop and I work, lots of people work hard. Well, it's a dangerous, lots of jobs are dangerous. My dad was a logger in the Pacific Northwest his entire freaking life. I worked for him. You want to talk about dangerous, crappy jobs that in reality don't always pay that great? I'm already there, buddy. So yeah, I've, I've had a few police listen to my podcast once in a while, and they'll come back with how hard and dangerous and terrible it is, and my only response is, listen, pal, hold my freaking beer. Because I know of lots of jobs I've done and other people currently do that are way more dangerous than being a freaking cop. And if your argument against the revocation of qualified immunity is that a whole bunch of cops will leave, well, here's my counter-argument. Probably a whole bunch of really terrible cops will leave, and good riddance.
Yeah, I, I, I needed to, to, to let this all out because I had some experience recently with police. And my experience was they were acting like thugs. And my expectation, because I once wore a uniform, is if you're going to get into the whole social contract, good government, democracy bullshit, then you have to hold these officials not to a lower standard, but a higher one. And if that means some cops get sued, guess what? That's going to happen. And if that means police departments have to have more insurance, okay. And if that means police chiefs will be held accountable, good. And if that means cops are on the lookout for bad cops, God bless. Because the horror stories involving bad cops pile up. And whether they're real or fake, here's the deal. If you're going to have the authority to kill another human being, I don't want you to be held to the Walmart security guard standard. I want you to be held to a higher standard. If it's a little difficult to sue somebody who's acting as a security guard, if it's a little hard to do it or whatever, I'd want it to be easier to sue a cop. Maybe they'll keep their cameras on. Maybe they'll do. They'll start doing all the things they're supposed to do according to the Bill of Rights. There's no way to know for sure. But if you're asking my opinion, should this be revoked? Should qualified immunity be removed? Obviously. It, I frankly didn't even understand it before it became an issue. And now that I know about it, I'm kind of horrified. Because if, in fact, it was removed, a whole bunch of things would stop happening. To include cops stealing people's crap. One of the, the, the most likely ways as a traveler in this country that your cash and your goods will be stolen is by a police department. Civil asset forfeiture. And guess what? They'll give you paperwork to fill out and, and get a response back in 90 to 180 days. Yeah. So fuck that bullshit, friends. You can, you can be married to a cop, you can be friends with a cop, you could be a cop. And I don't understand how anybody could have a rational argument against the idea that you, the cop, or your friend should be held to a higher standard, which means the consequences should be greater, not less. Next topic. Well, Dan, I can't believe you. The cops are there to protect. I know, the cops that stopped me from walking, they were protecting me, protecting me from exercise. They sent a signal, you cannot walk your way, go do it this way, it may be a more dangerous way, but do it okay, or we'll take you downtown, hobo man. Yeah, hobo man. So I'm about to give you some crime reports, but these are not normal crime reports. These are crime reports from Sector 009 Echo, the Echo region of the universe, where there are plasma fjords and great oceans of pulsars, where the travelers who, through space and time have to learn how to be great sailors and lovers. These are crime reports from Sector 009 Echo.
Staglon bees, Staglon bees are breaking into fidget condos near Brinkley and 114th. Stomach beetles. Stomach beetles have been reported. Jellyfish rabies is rampant there. It's spreading through the condos. It's making everybody sick. Stay away from 114th and Brinkley. Old creeps are pimping out ugly hookers near Stunkton Avenue. Caprice Leroy is in charge of those hooker armies and is clearly making a move against Digley and his hubba bubba soup gang. We'll see what happens, my friends. Hijackers have taken control of the starship Ubulon Hornet and are threatening to launch neutron bombs at the primary or main Taco Bell protein processing facility. They claim Taco Bell is using gammy beans, little gammy creatures, for its new style space taco meat. But these are sentient creatures. They are self-aware. It's in the taco meat. You can feel their suffering. It's very savory. It's very zesty. It's a great holocaust for these tiny gammy creatures. Candy Chimp is haunting Dorset Corners. The monster spreads sugar and starch and hooks you on quick carbo highs. Diabetes or Sugar Diabetes 23 is spreading. And the new artificial pancreas pumps can't keep up. God help Dorset Corners. God help the people of Region Echo. God help those pancreas pumps. Get that body right. The Flying Teeters concert was canceled last night because at the last minute, Torg Raiders took out the stage and began holding people hostage. Oh boy. They claim that the Teeters never returned their phone calls and that there are babies, and they need their daddies. Those flying teeters, they go from town to town. They leave their seat around. And now the Torg Raiders, a coalition of women left impregnated, are going to get theirs too. Jister wives are monitoring the waves between here and Sklimpton. Torpedo husbands want to move Stiglon armies to Region 7, oh boy. While the bishop keeps his time at Doomba's castle where the greasy weasels cut up their meat. 
It's crazy. It's crazy out there. These are crime reports from Sector 009 Echo. It's tough being a cop in Sector 009 Echo. There is no qualified immunity. You wear an explosive inside of your neck. It's surgically implanted and it's based on democracy. The community gets to vote about once a month. Yeah, it's hard being a cop in Sector 009 Echo. If you listen to this podcast and you enjoy it, that's great. I appreciate it. Um, and if you've been helping me out the last couple of weeks, and I think you guys just by listening help out, I really appreciate it. It's easy to feel crazy these days. It's easy to feel really crazy when you're podcasting from a ramshackle tent. You know, I mean, this sure as shit ain't the, the lunar excursion module, right? But if you listen and you enjoy it, there's a donation link on the blog and in the notes and in the entries for Spotify. And so wherever I post something, there's a donation link. But before you click on that link, listen to my speech. You need to take care of your food, your water, your shelter. You need to take care of that first. Before you donate any money to me, take care of your food, your water, your shelter. Uh, That comes first. If there are people in your life that can use help, immediate help around you, help them first. Okay? Friends, family. Sometimes people are too proud to admit. So help your friends and family before you donate to some random screwball on the internet. If you've set aside food for your family, set aside food for your pet. Your pet loves you. And remember, baby, it's not the end of the world. Life gets crazy. Roll with the punches and be happy. So before you send a random screwball any of your money, try to treat yourself if you can this week. I don't mean go into debt. I don't mean use money you don't have, that kind of fits the rules I've been talking about. More like, if you have a little extra, before you donate to me, try to do something that'll make you happy. Okay? It's not the end of the world, but you all know my perspective on the, the recent past and the recent and the current future. And yeah, I think things are going to get crazier than most Americans have any idea of who have a living memory. Which means... There might be Americans from the 19th century, maybe, who would have some understanding of what's coming next, but um, I don't think most Americans or, frankly, most modern people are prepared. And it's not going to be gentle or gradual or linear. It's going to be catastrophic and brutal and discontinuous and nonlinear.
And so it'll seem like everything's fine. Wile E. Coyote in the air over the canyon, but then he looks down. But that's still not the end of the world. That's just crazy times. And crazy times happen throughout history. Sometimes they can be so bad that people think it's the end of the world, like the 14th century, for example, or the time of the fall of the Western Roman Empire. People might have been pulling out their hair thinking, oh boy, oh boy, we better sacrifice a goat. Well, don't be sacrificing no goats quite yet. But if you've done the things you need to do and the things you want to do and you still have extra money left over, I can tell you something, especially if you're a gazillionaire. I don't know any that listen to me yet. I can use the money to buy a ticket to Pennsylvania because that's my current plan right now, to get a Greyhound ticket to Pennsylvania. Believe it or not, Greyhound tickets ain't cheap. Um, they might have seemed like the cheap option, and it is. Compared to the train or the plane, it actually is the cheapest option. But none of this is cheap. It's all expensive. None of it's easy. It's, it's hard. And if I want to take the equipment with me that I need to take with me, I probably couldn't fly. Um, you know, even if I wanted to, I, I just won't get into one of those airplanes any longer. The last time I flew was horrible. I don't need to repeat that. I don't need to know what it feels like to be that kind of crap. So, it is it is Thursday, August the thirty first, the last day of August. 2023 Bo Blimpdock. Um, it's not the end of the world, but these are crazy times. If you're asking yourself some mornings, is there an ideal decision you can make? The answer is no. I mean, you might think you're making an ideal decision, but that's probably not true. We're, we're, we're going to be making the best decisions we can make. And it's going to be like that for a while. And probably it was true forever, but it's definitely going to be true here in the near future. Making the best decisions you can make. I, I don't care what it is. I don't care if it's deciding to buy a house or to sell a house or to, or to change jobs or to stay at your job. There are no perfect ideal decisions in any of, us. There, in any of this. There aren't even really decisions you can call super good. It's just you make the best decision you can. That's what we can do now. So for Dan in the park, in the tent, Town State Park, all the, the blimbazoids are starting to turn down and go into their, you know, into their sleeping bags and plug in their ear pipes and listen to whatever gromdomuli comes over their glowing rectangle. That's how they'll go to sleep tonight listening to the noise to some screaming weasel, some freak, maybe like me, right? Have a great rest of your evening.